0: Well, we're in Chapter 5, and I think we stopped, I think we only did one paragraph last time, which was 5, 1 to 5. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Do you remember, what Katrina?
1: Um, I don't remember. We did a little bit of 5. My eyes aren't good. I have a eye-vision test, you know, not this week one (laughs) after.
0: So So, uh, let's start with verse 6. Katrina, would you read verses 6 to 10, please?
1: So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, Rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. What does this have to do with salvation? (laughs)
0: That's our ongoing question. This is a little bit opaque. Well,
1: I think if we were with the Lord, meaning literally with the Lord, I mean, we wouldn't worry because we're in the presence of God. But this absence indicates there's a longing, there's a dissatisfaction. We're not there Mm -hmm. yet.
0: So we still have our faith, though, is what Paul's saying. So we still have confidence. Yes. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So we can be, through faith, present with the Lord, but it's not the same as being literally in His presence. Yeah. Then he, he adds this conclusion, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And to most Adventists, that verse seems to negate faith right there. Why is that? So that we may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, our works. So it sounds suddenly like we've jumped out of faith into works. So what do we do with that
1: we're saved by faith, but we're awarded according to our word.
2: That's
0: what it seems to say.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, to me, it's a judge. What what is talking? What Paul is talking about is a judgment day, and it has to me it, in this in this chapter it has nothing to do with salvation. It is focusing on something different. It's saying but, there is a judgment, and in the judgment. Um, there are evidences of things, and that evidence. But shows if you
0: if you fail the judgment, you're not saved, are you?
2: Well, yes, but that's <laughs> not his focus. What I'm thinking is he he's saying, you know, if you have to face the judge, what evidences are you going to show? You know.
0: About so in other words, so in other words, Paul would agree with James in a way that the way we know that we have faith in the end is by the evidence, as you say, that what is done in the body is our evidence.
2: Yes, but what I think that the the focus is that your faith will change your work. Right. Not that your work is how you're saved. It's that if you have faith, if you had a Mm -hmm. work with Christ... You don't worry about it. You know, you you will have good things to show. I mean, there's not. It's not based on that. That is what I'm thinking. But maybe I'm wrong.
1: No, I think
0: I think Paul would agree with you. I, yeah. I think he would. I think he would be a little disheartened at our yeah. our struggle over this issue of faith versus works. Because I think he, I think he was fully against being saved by works. I, I think right. he he had that down very clearly. But I think. The way he saw that whole thing, as he saw it as a whole, which is very Hebraic thinking. is holistic. Mm-hmm. Um, he exactly. saw it as a whole. He didn't see it as something in opposition. Exactly. What he wanted to be clear is our, that we have that faith. Okay, shall we move on? Uh, Jose, would you read verses 11 to 15?
2: Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord we persuade men but we are well known to God and I also trust are well known in your consciences. When we do not commend ourselves again to you we give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. But if we are beside ourselves it is for God or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again.
0: The terror of the Lord, huh? What version do you have? <laughs>
2: A bad version. <laughs> new King James Version. New King James.
0: Yeah. I doubt if the King James even has that. No. You have fear. Fear yeah. of the Lord.
1: When says terror.
0: Fear says terror. When you oh, have New King same. James?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The word fear, as with all Hebrew words, you have a very small vocabulary in Hebrew, about 10,000 words. Of those ten thousand, two thousand are loan words. You have really eight thousand vocabulary in Hebrew. Every instead of adding new words for new meanings, like the Greeks tended to do, mm-hmm. and people who speak English tend to do, the Hebrews added meanings to already existing words. So every word has a spectrum of meaning mm-hmm. that's related. Uh, probably the sharpest contrast I know of is the word galal, which is the verb to roll. The noun form gal can either mean wave or wheel, obviously something that rolls. Uh, so that just gives you an idea of so what we're dealing with with fear is respect, reverence, awe, being afraid, terror, and so on. And the question is, does this context deserve the nuance at the other end of the spectrum of terror? It's it's difficult to persuade people who you scared to death with terror. <laughs> and yet he says here, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others. Well, you're going to have a hard time persuading people who are terrified, except that they might be persuaded to listen to you because they're terrified. But they're not going to be, in the long term, able to retain that.
1: He says he knows the terror of the Lord. He's saying, knowing the terror of the Lord, his experience on the Damascus Road was terrifying and traumatizing. He didn't eat or drink for three days. he he knew that terror it
0: would be easier to see that if he said I try to persuade others instead of we try to persuade others I I personally prefer knowing the fear of the Lord knowing the respect the awe because if you go on in in the book he talks about God reconciling the world to himself through Christ and that, there doesn't seem to be any fear the rest of the chapter in in the sense of being afraid
1: he says if we are beside ourselves it is for God right verse 13 or well, sound mind so he's just setting up another set of contrasts because <laughs> he? he's doing through all this chapter in here at the beginning chapter 5 he talks about the earthly house the body the tent is destroyed but in the heavenly places, there is a, uh, a house not made with hands, right? Mm-hmm. Th- that will be closed with. So it's yeah. setting up contrasts. Okay.
0: And and he might be yeah. writing to people who uh, actually terror is the only way they'll even listen at all. There is these wider these uh, wider uses of that word fear. So let's. Keep them all in mind.
2: So what is he saying in terms of what our message should be?
0: Well, he hasn't gotten there yet. Oh. We're going to have to read on to get okay. that. <laughs> He says, for the love of Christ, and here it's obvious, it's not the terror of Christ that right. urges us on. It's the love of Christ urges us on because we are all convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. This, mm-hmm. is, this is the vicarious atonement. Mm-hmm. And vicarious atonement means that Jesus, Jesus literally bore our sins in an in a experiential sense. And I, I, I've worked on this a lot, and I've come to believe that Jesus, Jesus had the highest level of empathy. When, when Hebrews says that he became perfect through suffering, the things that he suffered, one of the ways that perfection is manifested according to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is to have that highest degree of love. Well, one of the highest degrees of love is empathy. In order for Jesus to experience everything that we have done bad, he would have to have that highest degree of empathy for that to take effect, for him to have actually experienced our t- our sins in, in the way they affect us and their consequences.
2: He, he experienced the... Uh... The consequence of sin. -hmm. Yeah, and the eternal death for us. Right.
1: I think God experienced that even without the incarnation.
0: I think so too. Yeah, you're right. Uh, There's a beautiful statement in book Education where Ellen White says that the, the cross is only a taste of the enormous pain that God has suffered because of sin. So he has borne it himself and all its consequences. But, but no one had borne to the ultimate conclusion of death until Jesus died. And so in that way, he, uh, he experienced death for everyone. We have two minutes left, so I think we probably better uh, stop with that paragraph. Unless you have some other comments. We
1: didn't have very long.
0: We didn't start very soon
2: oh. <laughs> that wasn't that much. I got time, <laughs> but um, when he says that it, it suffers, our suffering it's uh, to me it's like he suffers something that we were destined or, or going to suffer, but we haven't and we most likely well, won't right yeah. because
0: so so here's how I see it works yeah. uh, in the Garden of Eden. Jesus or God made it very clear that the day you eat of the fruit, you will surely die, mm-hmm. and it's it's emphasized in the Hebrew. Uh, dying, you will die. So you will surely die. We didn't die that day. Mm-hmm. We did die finally a natural death. But what about the final death? Mm-hmm. That we know that those who don't trust in Jesus will die. Mm-hmm. That's the death that Jesus came to, to die. Because it wouldn't do him any good to just die the first death. We die that anyway. So he didn't, he didn't die for us to not die that death. He died the eternal or second death. So he had to experience the consequences of sin to that point of death. And the consequences of sins were mostly mental anguish.
2: Right. Well, it's the separation for, for Jesus was a big one, because he, he was right. always one right. with God.
0: And, and, he, and he, God, he had, to, God had to separate, make that wall of separation right. because Jesus was not separated in himself right. from God, whereas we are the ones who separate ourselves from God. Right. It is, the, the death of Jesus isn't entirely exact equivalence. Right. To what the to the death that we would die, it's an ex it's an example I so. death. It's it's a a vicarious example of <clears throat> sin but, leading but to a, death.
2: The, I don't know how to say this. Basically, what I'm saying is that, like Adam and Adam and and Jesus, I, I can see um, how they're alike. Basically, you know how their sufferings could have been almost the same in the in terms of separation from God. Like Adam had a close Face-to-face relationship with God, he had it, and and then he was separated from then on. Mm-hmm. So he felt that separation from God. He felt the consequence of sin. Literally, it's like um, my mother and I. You know, we live together, and if we get separated, then I, I feel it. You know, you feel it. What's happening in the border right now with children being separated from their parents? They, they have that emotional and mm-hmm. devastation. You know. It's because they got separated. So did Jesus, but the rest of us—we've never had that close face-to-face connection with God.
0: But we will so we, suffer. Well, so the this doesn't ha- we, this happens in part here because we do suffer that from that separation. We suffer all the mental agony of being in Satan's hands
2: yeah, instead of
0: in God's hands.
2: Th- that's when you when you are when your conscience is is clear of and you want to uh, obey God and, and you and you hope to to be with God. But if you don't, you know, I'm just thinking, you yeah. know, but but at
0: the end, but the end of the millennium,
2: yeah,
0: they will have that face to face encounter. They will see the whole love of God okay. displayed because uh, there will be that panorama of the Great Controversy that they see from beginning to end. So they will realize what they've lost, and that will be.
2: What what I what I I have a pain. hard time understanding. It's our so he's he or our sufferings. When it's to me, it's not necessarily our sufferings. So instead of he getting our sufferings, basically he what he's saying to me is that is it- he got something that we were going to suffer. But we're no longer
0: right, right, true. right, that, right. And, and I, I would I, agree with you with that. And
2: not just me, but everybody. Because at yeah. the very end, he, he, those who die, even even those who rebel against God, will not have a, a, a drastic, dramatic death like Jesus did. I mean, there will be fire from heaven. Of course, it will consume it. But that's the work. There
0: will be. There will be the. I don't know the some suffer sense. longer than others as the That's mental as says, the mm-hmm. mental agony. That's the mental agony part. I personally believe the lake of fire is mm-hmm. different from the fire coming down from God. The lake of fire is emotional agony, mm-hmm. because I did a study of fire in the Bible, and it is often metaphorically used of emotional mm-hmm. agony. So I, t- I tend to think of the lake of fire as emotional agony and Mm -hmm. that the wicked will suffer intense emotional agony, incredible emotional agony, because they realize they have nothing but evil to cling to. Is it possible, though, that when Jesus suffered the second death, Mm -hmm. he felt that rebellion? He didn't own it, Mm -hmm. but he felt that rebellion. He Mm -hmm. felt that fear. He felt The anger he felt, all of the things and their consequences in in human lives. He felt all of that: the depression. I mean, what leads people to drink? What leads people to addictions? What What is it that uh, causes all these things that we see that are problems? So I I, I see him as as suffering all of that, but he didn't own it. It wasn't his own. And that's that vicarious. It's, it's sort of like how a parent feels if, if their child is run over by a car and survives, but is injured badly. That parent feels intense emotional agony. They feel they suffer with their child. And I see that as how Jesus vicariously suffers. And, and both, both the now and the, the ultimate. A good article to read on this is Signs of the Times, April 14, 1898, uh, where she spells out the emotional agony and the fight. She says, we read of the fire that is, that is not quenched and, and so on in Scripture, and she says that that is the, the mental agony. She doesn't use the term mental agony, but she uses something similar, yeah. that that's the mental agony that um, the wicked will suffer.
2: I thought something that is not biblical and it's not, I can't prove it with anything, (laughs) but I I, I always saw it like, um, that God's plan of salvation saved everybody. Not, not just the, um,
0: not just the people who were going to be saved. No. Yeah.
2: But he he, he saved them in in terms hear me out. Maybe I'll, I'll try to explain myself in terms of, um, different degrees of, of, um, uh, ending like to me I think that G- that God basically claimed and even at the last at, at the judgment at the last um, what you call punishment whatever you want to call that at the very end it's on God's term as opposed to the devil and sin itself that could have had destroyed us does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like so, basically, what what God did is He reclaimed control over everybody's destiny. Eventually, and <laughs> I'm thinking and speaking at the same time. It's tough. I, are you following me, though, what, or it doesn't make sense to this? Like, okay, hold on. Like we're going in one direction, and eventually, our our end was going to be more painful horrible if we were in the devil's hands and um the the sin as opposed to god taking over and said you know what i will
0: that's where i have to i i must confess i have to disagree disagree okay um the reason because Mm -hmm. according to the fourth third angel's message Mm -hmm. god's wrath is unmixed with mercy there's no mercy and what you're describing would be God exhibiting mercy to the wicked. Right.
2: Because even at the death, yeah. at the final death, but, I see a God of mercy. Yeah. But, and the word but it is says so, that, that his wrath it's not, uh, is unmixed. So it's wrong. It's
0: unmixed. <laughs> and and mm. so that means there's no mercy. They are in the hands of Satan. But they actually turn on him, if you read Great Controversy. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, actually yeah. turn on him, and and he has no mercy.
2: Right. But he won't destroy um, him. Ultimately, it's God I, I, will... Well, five the, glory,
0: <laughs> the, glory, the glory of him who is love will destroy them because they're out of harmony with it. Right. It's still natural consequences. Yeah. But it is the glory of him. I see God as giving them one last final embrace, and that embrace is destructive. Because at, Ellen White makes over and over the statement that what is, what is life to the, to the righteous is death to the wicked the same glory that the righteous can live in and and, and enjoy, and it gives them life. And the, the, the wicked, because they yeah. see God as angry and revengeful and, and all of those things, when he tries to love them, it is destruction to them. It is right. torture.
2: I hope my comments on uh, uh, what you call that um, affect my your <laughs> my No, no, no. But listen, here we are to this. I think that even the final death, you know the the very end. It's based on what I what I've studied, and I don't understand this mercy and right. Uh, you know I'm being together, but I don't know how God will do that. But but even that death is, is out of mercy, out of love, because God will not. I don't see God in the Bible. Um, Tormenting.
0: Okay, so what? So uh, here's here's how people. I would spin that: is that he he will not keep them alive in their torture.
2: Exactly. So he will because just like our our normal right. death, it's it's a blessing.
0: He could keep rest. them. He could artificially keep them alive indefinitely.
2: Right, but but he does it out of love right. because you know I'm going to put right. an end to it. Right. And and it's not uh, they have already suffered. They have already uh, seen the devastation of, of sin. Um, so what God is doing it is his consuming fire will, will do that. His, will
0: consume he, will, he will love them and not keep them alive in it. Yeah. And, and, and,
2: and it. And I don't think it's lengthy. I think it's consuming. It's just there's other precedents in the Bible of that same consuming fire. Like Elijah, for instance, You know, he consumed it. It, it was automatically, bam, and everything, the water, the rock, everything was consumed. So that same fire...
0: Their Nadab and Abihu, the glory of God, came and consumed them, and they took them alive. I mean, took their bodies. Their bodies were still intact. They took them out in their tunics. Mm. So we're dealing with a different kind of fire.
2: We are. Okay.
0: What do you do with some burn longer than others? That's been the, one of the problem statements Adventists have wrestled with. That's, for, that's
2: what I struggle with. I know Ellen G. White clearly states yeah. that as well. And I go... The only the only, thing, from, the only the only thing the only thing yeah
0: that. the only thing I can <clears throat> do with that statement is to suggest that some people whose hearts are particularly hardened but who knew once knew the love of God and once embraced it and then turned away from it for self-worship or for whatever reason they turned away from the love of God they are drawn into that love from memory mm-hmm of having once been loved mm. but they reject it and that struggle that mental struggle just is is and they it doesn't destroy them right away because they once had that
1: mm.
0: does that make sense so lucifer she talks about satan as the one the exhibit a of the one who suffers the longest lucifer who once walked in the in the stones of fire and and who once was the closest to god and knew god the best mm-hmm. of all the angels He's going to suffer the longest because of that memory of having once been
2: loved. Yeah, I struggle with it's that. got I, honestly struggle because what is the purpose? I mean, what what would God? What would be God's to, purpose to, to make? I understand. Say things. He, to he, does, he, he doesn't want <laughs> him do to suffer longer. He
0: doesn't make them suffer longer. They do suffer
2: longer. Okay.
0: It's it's not it's not God doing it. Got it. It's their response to his love. It's their response to that fire.
2: Uh,
0: and I I don't know, uh, I think it's the purpose is that we really see the whole thing work out, that we see it intelligently. Yeah. I think there's a lot we don't understand about sin and a lot we don't understand about the love of God. Yeah. And and to see that whole thing totally terminate in that way assur- reaffirms that we will never choose that path again mm-hmm. yeah. so we wrestled yeah. together and, and you know <laughs> i understand where i think better now where you're coming from and yeah, yeah,
2: yeah
0: and i i would probably. i would love some mercy killing at the end too but i don't think it would teach us what we need to know
2: yeah, but th- I think we already graduated at that point. There's no more teaching. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that in terms of the sins and consequences. Um, uh, I, if, if the, uh, I don't know. I, I think the, uh, ultimately the, the purpose of that destruction it's, a, it's to purify, it's to eradicate sin, uh, evil, it, it's not too. And punish. is it?
0: But is it possible? It's a cleansing. That's it's a cleansing. Is it cleansing? I don't see it as. I, I don't see that as punishment. In the.
2: But it, a, the, to be it,
0: it seems. It seems that yeah. way, and, it, and yeah. it is. We do use the term punishment for right. it. But is it possible that because by its very nature, sin happens in the mind right. first and foremost right. before we do the actions? That we have to see that mental script mm-hmm. completely undone. It has to sin has to totally destroy itself right. from the inside out, and right. that's that emotional ang- agony. agony that yeah. takes a while to process. It's, we'll understand it more when we get there,
2: <laughs> won't we? I can hang with it.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you, Jim.
0: Well, thank you for, 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 as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I think yeah. that went on today, and that's good. Thank you very so, much. So <laughs> thank you for that good wrestling and tussling. Wrestling. Well, I we don't think we were tussling so much with each other as we were with the concepts. So. Yeah, I think.
2: Everything. Well, let's, let's keep
0: doing it next time. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that in everything that you do, your love remains constant, and that it is we who change and we who reject and rebel and go against your plan. We ask that we might constantly see your love in everything that you do and not ascribe anything to you that is not an aspect of that love. In Jesus' name. Amen.